Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Who is on the hook for a poor performance this weekend in the Big 12 Conference? Is it time to have the Dave Aranda needs to be fired conversation? And a whole lot more coming up on today's Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. This is the Big 12 Watch here on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. You guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show at NWPod365. It was not an 0-6 week. It was a 3-4 and four week. So uh, we are now 30, let's see, 37 and 20, whatever it is, like 29. Uh, so we're still doing well this year. And basically, we're going to finish above 500, guaranteed at this point in time. So that's good stuff. On the season and Big 12 best bets, you guys can find those at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find me once again at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show at NWPod365. Like the video. Subscribe to the channel. We're n- at, almost at uh, 12.5 thousand subs. Help us get there. Like the video. That's how you guys can support this channel because this is the best Big 12 coverage. You get five plus days a week. So our reaction show, I call it the winner's circle. The following show, for those of you who are new, we call it the loser's corner. Uh, and I basically discuss like who's off the hook and who's not. And this late in the season, I'm a big believer in this, not every loss is created equal. Like some teams, Cincinnati, a loss is just kind of another loss, right? That's kind of where you're at. Uh, for other schools, that's not the case. Like I would say BYU has an encouraging loss. And so we always start with who is off the hook this week? Whose loss were you like, you know what? Either it's not that bad or actually good. And uh, I'm not a you know big believer in like moral victories, but if there was one, one happened in Lawrence, Kansas, right? I know a lot of folks, it's a rivalry game. You want to beat your rivals, sure. But that being said, we have to start there. If there's a good loss, this is one. I'll tell you all why. KU loses a narrow game against K-State. This has been a rivalry that has been one-way traffic. Kansas State has gotten the better of the Jayhawks uh, often uh, recently, right? Kansas has not won, obviously in the teens, tens. Kansas has what you have to consider a good loss. Moral victories, be damned. Sure, I, I know under, like, I understand people are like, oh, no, moral victories, whatever. But this is what you have to understand. 
is that Kansas has been not just like, you know, non-competitive with K-State, but like everybody, but especially K-State. K-State's had their number. And for Kansas to have a third string quarterback and to be this close to beating KU or K-State rather, it's it's a testament to coaching, uh, their game planning, the improvements of their roster and like their durability, like just how far they've come as a program. You lose Jalen Daniels, the preseason offensive player of the year in the Big 12. You lose him, right? Jason Bean, your backup, who is a tremendous backup. You lose him as well, too. And Cole Ballard's out there, and they gave a good game plan, a whole lot of Devin Neal, right? And so the fact that we're going into this final weekend, back-to-back losses, but Kansas still has seven wins. (laughs) Kansas has lost two straight games in November with one regular season game left, and they still have an opportunity to win nine games this year. That is program building. Lance Leipold is a tremendous coach. Andy Kotelnicki has been fantastic this year. Man, this this game has been just one-way freaking traffic for K-State, and it was not. And look, it probably goes differently if a quarterback's play, but, but he was, you know, they weren't playing, right? Bean and, and Daniels were not playing. But still, despite that, guys, like this was a game. This was not like, oh, if Sands or butts. This was a ball game the entire way through. So Kansas has to be lauded for that because it just shows how far the program's come. The loss can show that. BYU, um, the, the reason why they're off the hook is they've been getting dogged. And you all know me. I have not been very nice to BYU. I have been, I, you know, I've been mean. I'll, I'll say that. But like, I don't think they're a very good team. Right, uh, they're five, they were five and two. They are now five and six. I think I've bet against them in every single game they've had since the Cincinnati game. I believe I bet against them against even the the Texas Tech game. I bet against them. TCU, I know I did. Uh, Texas, I did. West Virginia, I did. Yeah, it's down the line. And they lose thirty one twenty four to OU. But the reason why I don't like BYU and the reason why, you know, and I don't like, I use as a, as a term of like, you know, the, the, the team and don't want to bet on them. I kind of think about things from that perspective is because they get outplayed all the time. Like even in their wins, right? The Arkansas, after that win, Arkansas had like a 90% plus post game win expectancy. And that's a great gutty win. Um, BYU, like you've got a backup quarterback in there and you're still down to the wire with OU and you made some crippling mistakes. And like, honestly, most teams make those mistakes and the game's basically over from that point on. You know, I think it's almost like a basketball game, right? Like, well, we had the hundred yard pick six and like at that moment it was close, but we ended up losing by 20, but it actually was a close game. No, BYU was right there the entire time. Uh, Arnold or Gabriel playing quarterback actually didn't matter. Like BYU was right there. And so that's encouraging. The problem for them is they're probably not going to go to a bowl game because they have Oklahoma state next week, but they, um, a five and seven season for them is not that bad considering the fact that BYU drew Kansas uh, on the road, West Virginia on the road, Texas on the road, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state on the road. So that they, I mean, they've played the top of the league, like Kansas top half team, Texas, the best team in the league, West Virginia, top half team, Iowa state, top half team, Oklahoma, top half team, Oklahoma state. Like, so they, they drew the better part of this league. Um, they only got one team, uh, you know, and there's only three other teams that could play, but like they only got one team out of the incoming group, right? And that was uh, Cincinnati, and they beat them. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a challenge, man. That's a real challenge. 
But I think it, to put it in context, like I don't know what BYU does very well, so I have to answer that. But still, like kudos for a, a good effort. That, that's kind of what you want to see at the end of the year, despite the losing streak. Iowa State, I will keep saying this. That was a good effort. Texas just has better players. There's no shame in that. Iowa State, though, is in good shape. Like they're in very good shape. Texas is a top four team. Iowa State, the the spread was seven and a half. This was not some surprise they gave uh, in a Texas close game, right? There's not some shock. The reason why it happened is because they are well coached. They've got a young developing quarterback and they did not fall into the trap. They attempted to throw the ball. They did not try to do the garbage crap. It's like, you know what? We have to run on first and second down control the clock. They understood the assignment. Rocco Beck threw for 323 yards. They only attempted 29 rushes. Now they ran for nine yards. And that's, you know, with the sacks in there. So we take those out. They did not run very well, you know, outside of that anyway, too. But like they did not play around. And it looks like Jaden Higgins is going to be, you know, just a guy for them. Uh, obviously, I think he's got, yeah, he's got uh, another year left, the Eastern Kentucky transfer. Um, so, you know, another guy for them, they definitely, I think, could turn into an NFL wide receiver with that size and ability. So Iowa State, I know it's been up and down, but that's what you expect. And they settled this thing in, and they, they're a good football team. You know, they win all of the games this year. No, they didn't, but they beat Northern Iowa. People were worried about that one. They beat Oklahoma State. That's a great win. They beat TCU by two scores. They beat Cincinnati and Baylor both on the road by multiple scores, and they hammered BYU. They have been beating the teams they should be, and they'll be a tough out for K-State next week. They're going to a bowl game, and that is a massive accomplishment for Matt Campbell. So these three schools, I actually feel pretty decent about their performance this week. I don't think any less, and actually I think a lot more, especially of KU and Iowa State. Like Iowa State, you know, it's they could could have gotten dusted, but they didn't. They were they were up for every ounce of the challenge. And I mean, yeah, I think it was uh, Tavondre Sweat. I think Sweat ends up blocking the uh, extra point, or whatever. But like they're they're right there in that game, and that's that that's ten points worse at home than Texas, who's a potential CFP team. There's no shame in that. But now we go to the teams that uh, I am not as bullish on after their losses. Dusty, take it away. Kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Who has fallen upon those hard times in the Big 12 Conference after this week? Well, we have a collection of teams and one team that has made uh, too many appearances on this list is the Baylor Bears. And that's got to be where we start off. So Baylor, competitive in the start, but ends up getting hammered by TCU. And so that is where they're the number one team when it comes to hard times this past week. And this begs the question, do we have to have the conversation about Dave Aranda and his future at Baylor? And the reason that we need to is because Baylor does not have a schematic problem. They have a personnel problem. And I think there is a pretty compelling argument to make that that should not be occurring at Baylor. Baylor should not be having like TCU and Baylor TCU. I know they're in DFW. And so that's a good advantage to have, but Baylor guys, Baylor has won 10 plus games under three separate coaches, even with the horrific Bryle scandal they had, you know, they've been able to win and have success. Like they're in Texas. They can recruit. They have money. They have facilities. Um, and then they've been a factor. Like they have been a straight up factor in, in CFP races before. Obviously, they a respected team, like all that stuff. But like it's just they're deficient on defense. They're deficient in the offensive line. 
The running game has been bad, even though they got some veterans. That I think it more speaks to the offensive line than anything else. And the fact that they actually have a decent quarterback, like I don't think Shapen. Look at the way Shapen's playing. Like it doesn't seem like he's the huge issue. It's just too much is on him. So they've got receivers. They've got a quarterback. The problem for them is everything else. Like they can't rush the passer. They can't force turnovers. They do not. They can't cover anybody. And Dave Aranda is a defensive-minded coach. And the issue for Dave is, is that I'm not saying Dave, like I know him that well, but like the issue for Aranda is this, that 2000, like the COVID season's an outlier, sure. But the problem is the 2021 year starts to look like more of an outlier than it does like the expectation or like the, the standard or like what they can do because they're getting dogged in every phase right now. I mean, and, and the problem for Dave is again, not saying Dave, but the problem for Aranda is this is that he does not strike like you as somebody who can fire the troops up, kind of flip this thing and get this thing going in the right direction. He's not that guy. Uh, and I think publicly it does hurt him. We don't know the details of his buyout, obviously, because it is a private school situation, right? But it's a conversation that has to be had. Would I do it? No. And I think Baylor, because the situation, like if they were an SEC school, and um, they were in Texas and Oklahoma and Texas were joining their league. Uh, it's an inflection point, if you will. Like I would make the change, but two heavyweights are leaving the conference and you've got money and you're in Texas. And I think it's still a desirable job for a lot of folks in that state and outside that state because of the resources. So I don't think you have to pull the trigger right now. So Baylor's got a choice to make. And I, I think you'll get more coverage of this, obviously on the main channel. Uh, you know, those guys have Mac Rhodes on a lot. They'll talk with him. And, but I think Mac Rhodes and the power players there have a choice to make. So UCF tight loss, 24-23 against Texas Tech. You know, the reason why I have them up here is because, like, they're close to being a decent team. Um, but they've lost a lot of the close games they've been in, right? They blow the lead against Baylor this year. The K-State game was tight in the fourth quarter, and they end up losing – uh, the Oklahoma game, they lose, right? Uh, West Virginia game was a little bit tight, and then this game too. So I think it could be a symptom of the fact, like up front, they're not quite ready to be in this league, which is totally fine. Um, but this was a 14-0 game, then it just kind of went south for them. And the offense slowed down, and they didn't finish drives as well. Uh, and John Rice Plumley was ineffective. I have been saying this a bunch, I'll keep saying this, but like Baker, Hudson, Townsend, and, and Harvey are all high level D one players, in my opinion, it's just stuff like, Hey man, they, they had two tackles for loss. They did not generate enough pressure. Uh, they were not in the backfield enough and, and tech didn't generate a ton either. Like a lot of cleanish pockets for JRP and he didn't do very well. So I think if Gus moves on a quarterback, which they have to obviously, cause JRP has been playing college ball forever, but, um, I would be curious to see, and, and look, they have to keep loading up at skill positions, but the trenches, you know, we think about like where this league is won and lost. TCU was really good in the trenches last year. So is K-State. In the trenches, Baylor and Oklahoma State were really good there the year before too. That's where you have to win this league. And right now they are not at the point where they're doing that. Two and six in conference. And like they've got a high upside. We all know they have a high upside, but they're not really close to achieving that upside right now. Uh, Houston. So the reason why I've got Houston on here, like losing to Oklahoma State is no shame. The issue for, for Houston is this, is that I mentioned some yesterday. I'll keep talking about this, though. 
like Texas Tech, when they got in these shootout games and they're going through big swings, they made the conscious decision to run the football more. They can do that some. Um, Texas can't do that. Or excuse me, Houston cannot do that. Like Houston does not have the ability up front or I guess the personnel maybe in the backfield to run the football. I mean, maybe you could argue like is Dana Holgerson even trying to do that? Maybe, but um, I don't like offenses that place all of this on the quarterback. You do not want an offense where it's a situation where, hey, like the QB has just got like everything is on his head. It is all about whether or not the quarterback plays well or not. And I, I thought even as good as Tyler Shuck was, it's way too much. That's why I like Tech so much more now when it's not just about the offense. It's about everything else they bring, just about the quarterback, rather. It's about everything they bring to the table. And Houston yesterday takes a lead. And the issue for them is they cannot run the football effectively to like slow down momentum. They cannot do it. Um, and that allowed Oklahoma State to dictate the pace because once they started blocking, the game was over. Like if they can block you and you can't block them on the other way around, it probably gets sideways on you unless they just can't cover. And Oklahoma State can be good enough at covering, and also their pass rush ends up being good enough because the individual guys they have on the team. So I think I think for Houston, like they've got a choice they need to make about Dana Holgerson what's possible for them because Dana Holgerson's pretty like, you know, he's kind of is what he is at this point. Is he going to adapt? I mean, Mike Gundy adapted, you know, as he got older, but like, is Dana going to adapt? They have to think about that moving forward here. That's, that's why I have them on this list. Cincinnati folks. Um, they're just bad. Uh, the reason why they're on the list is because they, they're just really bad and like, it sucks to be bad. I I'm, I'm sorry for Cincinnati. Um, I could put them on off the hook, but like, you know, you, at this point, you're three and eight. You're probably staring down three and nine. Recruiting next year looks pretty good, but I mean, you just you keep trying out Emory Jones, and like you know what's going to happen. It's like they're tanking, but there's no draft pick at the end of the tunnel for them. Uh, this game was not close against West Virginia. This was 42-21, but it was I think 42 to yeah 42-7 at one point. Uh, WVU doesn't score in the fourth quarter, and they didn't need to. So at that juncture, it didn't really matter. And a middle phase this game. I mean, the, the middle phase. Uh, the second, third quarters, 35 to seven. So uh, the football was run all over them. Uh, Garrett Green didn't like, didn't really have to be that amazing of a passer. He was fine, but nine 9.2 yards per carry. Like they need to find some guys in the state of Ohio that can hold up up front. And that's, that's a lot of these teams. Like, I don't know. None, none of them have been good at stopping the run. And I, I don't think that's, that's a shock. I mean, none of the new schools have been effective at uh at, at being up front and that's that's what we thought would happen like the week in week out grind of a lot of these schools especially this year too because a lot of these big 12 schools like want to run west virginia wants to run kansas wants to run k-state they want to run they don't always do it effectively but they, they would like to run ostensibly oklahoma state we know they're going to run and even texas like texas has quinn Ewers as a quarterback and bounced around different quarterbacks and I mean, ad mitchell has been fantastic for them but like they wanted to get uh, Brooks going. They wanted to get Baxter going. Texas Tech even flipped the switch in conference, but they want to run the football too. So you have to be able to, uh, TCU did for a while run the football effectively. In this conference, people, Big 12, pass the ball. If you look at the numbers, these teams want to run the football. The big problem for Oakley, like, this is why we've said Oklahoma is pretty much fraudulent, is that they don't stop the run very well and they don't run the ball very well. 
And, you know, no matter how much passing is influencing football now, like you still need to be able to run the ball and stop the run. Uh, because here's the thing, like it doesn't really matter what else is happening. The team's like, let's just line up and punch them in the mouth. And you can't do anything about it. Then it's just, what are we doing? Like, it's like, Hey, this was fun. Let's go. You know, it's, unless it's like, Hey, one team's an option team. One team chucks it. And that's the differences. And that's what they do. And you know, one team, both teams can't stop each other. It's kind of like where it's at. So all of these schools have struggled. And I think that's where this, that's where this gets decided is the defensive department. Um, can these schools make meaningful jumps forward on defense? And I think that's why like last year, like TCU last year, not an excellent defense, but personnel wise, they had guys that could, you know, NFL attributes that could do some things for you, you know, a corner at, at linebacker and, and, and even on the defensive line at, at certain points they could. Um, I mean, Oklahoma State the last three years has been putting out guys in the NFL on defense like Malcolm Rodriguez. And we know that obviously this year, I mean, Colin Oliver undersized, but like he's got a spot somewhere in the NFL, I have to believe. Uh, you know, and, and, and Martin too. I mean, they, they've got guys all over the place. I mean, that's safety too. So that is the one thing. And the physicality, like Oklahoma State's a great example of this because look at Jalen Warren. I mean, I was just watching the Steelers game earlier, earlier today. Like that guy's a, that, that is a dude. And you need to have guys like that on both, but both sides, guys who can help you stop the run at certain times and not even have to like, it doesn't have to be Texas dominance, but it needs to be effective enough to make a, like, you know, to, to discourage a team because right now it feels like everybody can just run against the new schools, right? The, the, the strategy is run the rock playing UCF run the rock and it didn't work in the, in the rain, whatever, but like it worked for most everybody else, right? KU blasted them doing that. I think K-State did a pretty good day on the ground, too, against them doing that. Um, Houston held up pretty well, I think, against Texas. But in the end, right, the last drive, when when they had to go to the backup, uh, um, was Malik Murphy, what did Houston do? Or what did Texas do? They ran the ball. and They ran it right down Houston's throat. So that's the big focus. And we knew it would be, and that's okay. But I think that is the big focus. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Uh, you guys can find the show wherever you get your podcast and here on YouTube as well. All right, folks, talk to you tomorrow.